You're listening to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrilow, and I have another amazing guest lined up for you today. Now, this podcast, you know, it's about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change as a force for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional, and social transformation. So come with us as we go on a journey behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into topics at the intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations tackling the challenging issues of our times. Now, before I introduce today's guests, I want to ask a favor. It won't take a minute, and it would make a huge difference to us. Would you please go to iTunes or whatever app it is that you're listening to, subscribe and leave a rating and review. It helps us to share our message of inspirational change with as many people as we can, and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people too. So thank you. Okay, our guest on the podcast this week is Dr. Tom Garcia, a shamanic teacher, mentor, and spiritual guide with a unique gift for helping you to quickly and easily clear away the blocks that may be keeping you from reaching your dreams and experiencing peace and happiness now. With the help of the mystical guides who led him to his own spiritual awakening, Tom's powerful fire ceremonies gently lead you past fear and chaos to the power of your inner spirit and the answers you seek. Welcome, Tom. Well, thank you, Jane. So happy to be here. Yeah, I, I'm thrilled you said yes to coming to the podcast. I really am. And I'm, I'm excited about our conversation, Tom. And, you know, our listeners may not know you, right? And I've just given them a little bit of insight with your bio there. But I'd love to start with just asking you something about the real life human who is behind the bio. Who's he? Hmm. You know, I usually think of myself as just a regular guy, you know, I'm happily married almost 25 years. We have four you know, beautiful kids. They're all grown up. The youngest is 18. Um, I live in a close knit community and um, I just retired from a, a successful chiropractic practice just a couple years ago. And um, primarily so I could devote myself to what I'm doing now, which is working with individuals and groups and, um, transformational in a transformational way really healing the mind helping people to listen and uh, find their own authentic voice in this world which is not always an easy thing mm. so yeah Lovely. a little bit about the, the you know the, the backstory of my bio yeah and you say in your bio that you know you have the help of mystical guides who led you to your own spiritual awakening yeah would you mind telling us a little bit about that because it sounds like it was pivotal in your life's journey it was and it occurred out of something really um it wasn't mundane but it was like every day in the world you know one of my closest friends spent the last 18 months of his life in our home and um my wife and I, we helped him transition out. And while he was going out, something happened to me that was inexplicable. I, I didn't even, I didn't really understand what was happening to me, but I was just like driven to go out into the woods 
and start making fires and and um, I'd make an altar on the rock and I would pray and I didn't really know what I was doing. I hadn't, you know, I've not been religious since I was a kid, you know, and um, during the course of that time, I was, I was asking not why is my friend, why is my friend dying and I'm still alive, but I was asking, why am I here? Like, why am I here? I want to know why am I on this planet and, and who sent me? What's my purpose? I was asking questions like that, and it just took me deeper and deeper. And I think, I believe that in the asking, my asking was so sincere and so so deep that I, I got answered. And it came in the form of a voice, which I, I've now come to believe that everyone has a voice. It's just, do we ask it sincerely enough to hear it? And I guess I did because it started you know, it talks to me all the time. And um, my only job is to listen, which is a lot easier. It sounds a lot easier than it, than it is, you know, but that's been my path is to listen as deeply as I can, not only to my voice, but to the voices of other people. So that's why I work with people when I bring them to the fire or, you know, even on a Zoom call, it's I'm listening with everything I have to hear what they're saying. Not just in words, but what are they saying? What's their whole being reflecting to me that I can reflect back to them so they can get who they are? So that's kind of what happened. Yeah, and I I love the way you speak about listening. And it's interesting as I'm listening to you, I'm also kind of, and I don't know if you do this, but I'm leaning into your energy as you're Mm -hmm. speaking. It's almost like the spaces between the words and almost like the the things you're not giving voice to as well as what you are is also kind of coming into my field as I listen to you, which is fascinating. (laughs) That's exactly what I say about how I listen is I'm listening to what you're saying, but more than that, I'm listening to what you're not saying and to what's between the lines and then to be able to ask questions mm. that, that speak to the unspoken and help you to give voice to it, to articulate what has not been given language and bring it into form. Mm. So it's, that's especially, I mean, just in a practical sense, it's like, who are you? And when someone tries to, you know, attempts then to say who they are, I just really listen for who who they are, who they are, and then help help them to flesh out the language to expand their 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 sense of who they are in their world, in their work, in their family, to themselves. And these these feel like life or even soul defining questions that you're speaking to. They are. I only have three. Who are you? Why are you here? And who sent you? Who sent you here? What's your relationship with the who like that, you know? Mm. And it goes deep. I mean, those questions can lead to many more questions, but those are the three fundamental ones Mm. that can take all day, all week, all year, or a lifetime. Lovely. You know what I mean? I do. 
I do. And I, I love how, you know, you've given us for uh, the North Star, if you like, the title of our conversation today, Kneeling at the Fire's Edge. Because if I think about myself in relationship to those three questions you've just asked, if I were to sit here and answer them, I, I, I might voice, I might articulate things I've said before. But if you, if I'm kneeling at the fire's edge, oh, that's a very different energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell me about that. Maybe it's because I'm an old Catholic boy from way back, you know. <laughs> but I found it was, it was almost like a spontaneous thing that kneeling was the proper posture. And I've not stopped kneeling, you know, in the last dozen years or so. It's just that's that's how I that's how I come to the fire. That's how I come to the Creator. Mm-hmm. You know, is is I kneel in in a respectful way mm. and ask my questions. Often, when I'm asking, you know, when I'm alone, I'm asking. I may ask. I may not have to ask very many questions to get a whole lot of answer, but I'm really listening for what's mine to hear. And when I'm with other people, it's the same thing. I'm really listening. I'm listening in that, in that same posture. And um, yeah, the kneeling is powerful. Mm. And as I'm listening to you and I, I, so I don't know if this is true. I'm kind of asking really, it sounds to me like these questions are not just like a once and done thing, no. but are more like a practice, like a sacred practice, yeah. keeping you present in some way to what matters most. Yes, because it's the evolving questions. Yeah. You know, who am I 10 years ago is different than who I am today, but it's, it's not once every 10 years either. It's you know, like with some periodicity, like some regularity asking, yeah. who, am I, who am I now? In an, in an ever expanding sense of possibility and awareness. What's my purpose now? It, it just expanded. And then to, to identify that, you know, I had the thought today, what if everybody, what if everybody's hearing voices and not everybody's talking about it? You know, start having the conversation about hearing voices. It's like, you hear a voice too? Yeah. And then we have a different conversation about what, what that voice is telling us, how it guides us and how it supports us in our lives. Yeah. And that's definitely been my experience. I just want to say, because I, I felt a year ago, I've been doing sacred change makers now for coming up to our year's anniversary. Mm-hmm. And in a way it was pivotal for me because I've been in relationship with my voices, my guides for decades, but very private about it, not really spoken about it publicly. And with the launch of Sacred Changemakers, which was something that my guides requested and invited me to do, 
and, and I feel I'm kind of following them into this community and now a podcast and whatever else it's going to be, I don't know. But it's so interesting because for me, I one of the things they requested was that I channel information publicly from them. They wanted to speak directly to the community. Mm. And I was really, I, I have to tell you, Tom, I was feeling so fearful that I would lose my reputation and my credibility in the business world because suddenly, you know, what's Jane doing? She's suddenly like standing over there with the angel lady <laughs> and we have no information on, on what she's like, what's happened. And actually I was very fearful, but I did it anyway. And then what happened was so inspiring to me because the people that I thought would maybe ridicule or, or I'd get negative feedback from actually came up to me and in a whispered tone of voice said, I, I have a voice too. I have guides that speak to me. And these are like C-level executives. <laughs> and so I can tell you there are lots of people out there. And, and like you, I believe we all have a voice. We do. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I think it is about, I just wonder sometimes if in modern day life, we've somehow forgotten how to listen. I believe we have. Yeah. I, so I, first I want to say, I admire your courage the, for the way you stepped into sharing what your voice had, had you mm. share, mm. You know, wanted to come through you and you allowed it. And, um, thank you for that. Cause you give so many people permission then to even listen, let alone share with what they're hearing, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I know what you're saying about the fear and the reticence about wanting to share. I mean, it was, I've held this so closely to my heart because it was so personal. It is personal, but there's a universal aspect to it as well. And so my voice, my guy, I just say my guides, I call them they, I just say they, they told me early on, you need to share this with people. And I was like stricken, like, uh, I don't know how to do that, you know? but I'm doing it now. Yeah. I was a little slower than you. I just, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know fast or slow. Finally, well, just like letting it come through. Yeah. They often tell me, they say, they say, get out of the way. We're coming through you. Yeah. And that's what gets in my way is my ego, me, you know, yeah. blocking the door. Yeah. So how does your relationship with fire kind of enable this conversation with your guides? That's a great question. When I first started going to the woods, so we, we live on a lot of acreage. I have lots of room, lots of woodland to roam. And uh, when I first started going out, I didn't have enough sense to make a fire. I would kneel and pray before the sun came up and it was, I was just cold. So I started making little fires. And these little fires turned into bigger fires. And pretty soon I'd make these massive hand-built fire pits with big, you know, the biggest stones I could find on the land to create them. And I have them all over the place. And um, so it became part of my own personal ritual. So when I come out, 
just the, just the act. This is a this and this speaks to ritual, not just mine, but for people, for all of us. If we have some set steps that we move through to bring ourselves to sacred space or to a clear-minded place, that's what it was for me. And so, everything about the fire, from packing my bags and getting out the door to gathering wood, making the fire itself fanning the fire, building it up. It was all part of the ritual. And then the fire, so it's so naturally transformative and it's a transformational element. It turns sunlight back into sunlight. You know, trees receive the light and turn into a tree and then we cut the wood and take it and burn it and it's released back in the form of sunlight. That's how I think of it, just the, the magical aspect. So that was, it was a pain, became part of my ritual and Fire is a powerful transformational element. So I talk to the fire. I listen to the fire. I do my work at the fire. I work at night often. So I'm out, you know, in the cold, taking warmth from the fire. So there's so many metaphorical elements in the element of fire that, that speak to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me too, um, a thought, you know, for me, there's something about uh, the, I'm, I'm just going to say the energy of a fire that, and I, I don't know where this is coming from, but, and I don't think I've ever given voice to this before, but for me, a fire is hopeful. I have no idea why I'm saying that, but it feels like it, it inspires me with hope yeah. and it brings it's got a way of, you know, I have all these memories as a child. We used to have a, an open fire in our home in England and just staring at the flames and just kind of getting lost in almost like a trance-like state as a child and then naturally moving to, you know, thoughts that wouldn't necessarily normally occur to me but it's like a depth of thinking is what it opens up. It gives me space and permission almost to think a little deeper, listen a little more internally to what's transpiring, what's moving through me. And I wonder if it's the same for you. What you're saying is so true. Absolutely. The fire has universal appeal. Mm. People naturally are drawn to the fire just in ancient times, it actually awakens, I believe, an ancient memory in all of us and being at the fire. So it feels familiar. It feels inviting. Um, you know, it's the fire is optimistic and there's yeah. a certain joyfulness of it and the depth of sharing. So my experience of being with people at the fire yeah. is um, especially as the, as the sun starts to set and there's that transition between you know day and night it's like the veil is thin and um people just naturally open up right they just naturally open up and start to share more deeply and more profoundly than when we were in the broad light of day mm. isn't that amazing that something as natural as a fire can kind of almost so I'm going to say some words. I don't, I'm not sure where they're coming from, which is almost bring us home. Yes. Yes. 
because that's another metaphor isn't it with the hearth and the fire and coming home almost to ourselves i was at the fire with a friend of mine from kenya and he said this is what my people do today they gather around the fire lovely to tell stories to um share with one another yeah and it's almost like in modern life we've we've lost that depth of connection in some way and i love how you don't only do the fire for your own practice but you invite people in to come to the fire's edge with you Hmm. yeah can you share a little about what that's like when you're in community around the fire well it's quite profound because the fire has a has a way of leveling the playing field so it doesn't matter whether you're you know a millionaire a multimillionaire or you clean houses for a living or you're a teacher or you know what i'm saying it just doesn't matter what you do in life across the board my experience with people has been it just brings us all together as one in a very natural and easy way and um you know the, the saying what out of the mouths of babes you know what people will share it, from whatever place they are in their life or, or whatever difficulty they may be having it it's um it's well received mm -hmm. and acknowledged and we see each other more clearly mm -hmm. You might just have the answer to what humanity needs, Tom. <laughs> well, I will tell you, my, you know, when this, when the whole COVID thing kicked off and I was asking what is going on here, one of the things that I heard very clearly was the safest place for you to be is in ceremony, hmm. in a ceremonial space in sacred space and share your fire. And that's when I started doing live stream fire ceremonies. They said, share your fire so more people can experience it. It's like a, a return to something ancient and primal, but also incredibly wise that helps us to connect within ourselves to what's real and true. It's a natural It's a natural process. Yeah, and before we started speaking, before we started recording, you mentioned about holding your own feet to the fire. What do you mean by that? Yeah, um, I think we've all experienced time, times in our lives when we've been challenged or we've been uh, confronted by something, usually something about ourselves and often in the world it's somebody else who holds our feet to the fire you know mm. puts us to the test or you know gives us grief or you know confronts 
confronts us. And how I shifted that for myself is I hold my feet to the fire. You know, that's, that's my responsibility to hold my feet to the fire, to get at whatever I need to get at about myself that needs to be healed or brought to light. And then I also add to that and break my own heart, taking full responsibility for, you know, if I feel my heart is broken, I broke my heart. Or I actively come to the fire and break my heart, you know, break myself open so I can see what there is to see about myself and my own vulnerability. Yeah, just like that. And it's remarkable. It's always startling, you know, and it brings me to tears. And if it brings me to tears, that's a good thing, you know, yeah. to really open. So when you look back over the years with your relationship with fire, I mean, what stands out? What has it taught you about life? Boy, it's come a long way, you know. And <clears throat> one of the things that it's taught me as a metaphor for itself is like the fire burn with your own intensity in the world, in life, you know, finding the fire within and how to stoke that and to keep it burning, to stay inspired and not um, cynical, especially today, yeah. you know, with what we're facing politically and in terms of health and all the, the, the ways in which we're being told what's happening in the world. This is a great point what we're talking about right here is if, if your reference point is out there, you're in trouble because there's so many conflicting messages and what do you believe? You know, I, I, I want to say, I'm saying this tongue in tongue in cheek, but it's like, do you believe your government? You know, have they ever lied to you? And if the answer is yes, it's like, well, where do you go now? So what I, what I mean to say when I say that is the reference point has to be internal. And the only way to, to get to that is to cultivate a relationship with that reference point. It may not come naturally. It may not come easily. And, and in our culture, we've been divorced from it. We've been separated from our own internal wisdom. Not entirely and not everybody, but, you know, because we have that intuitive sense of things and we have a, you know, an inner compass in terms of right and wrong and, you know, like that. It's not like we're completely, you know, bereft. But there's a certain refinement that that's available to us if we'll really listen, you know, listen closely and dearly for what's ours to hear. So we know the best actions to take. We know the path for ourselves because we have internal guidance. And I love how you describe to hear what's ours to hear. Yes. Because is that an internal listening you're referencing there? As you say yeah. that. That's one of my um, kind of my, one of my catchphrases is I listen for what's mine to hear, just as you have to listen for, for what's yours to hear. And no one can listen for what 
is yours to hear except for you. Mm. So it's incumbent upon each of us. It's, it's, it's a holy duty, if you will, a sacred duty to listen deeply for what is mine to hear so I can do my part. Yeah. You know, we all have a part to do. And just to know what that part is, is everything. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you, you see, I, I'm, I'm also listening for what's mine to hear. And as you spoke those words about burning with your own intensity in life, mm-hmm. I could just feel that like reverberating almost through my body in a way that that feels like something I really need to hear right now. I haven't unpacked why, but that kind of is like a, it feels like, well, I felt it. I didn't just hear it. Let me put it that way. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yes. You know, and here's a funny thing is, were you to come to the fire with me? Yeah. You would experience it. Yeah. You know, it'd be more visceral. It'd be almost tangible because you want to put your hands in there, but you, you can't. You know, like the fire is its own, its own world. If you ever look at stare into the embers, you know, it's this glowing sort of pulsating red, you know, the the color of hot embers. It's its own world in there. It speaks its own language. And, um, you know, it's like, it's like everything, the earth, the trees, nature all around us, it's filled with information and intelligence if we'll just listen for it. And then you know, we'll be surprised at what we may hear, what we're being guided to. And, you know, it seems to me that I, I just flicked for a moment thinking, well, you know, there could be people listening to this that are so far divorced you know, not through any fault of their own, but, you know, living in concrete buildings, working, you know, we're probably working from home at the moment, but, um, you know, we go from air conditioning to air conditioning and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very easy to completely be divorced from the natural world in, in our modern lives. And I just wonder what it is, you know, because I've had this question given to me a few times from other people saying yeah but but how like what am I listening for like what am I doing like really like what (laughs) and I just wondered what advice you would have for people who are listening thinking yeah I like I I like that I want that how do I you know kind of reconnect how do I find my my own fire within maybe Yes, that's really that's really what we're talking about is finding your own fire within. Mm. You can't necessarily be at a at a fire you know fire pit in the woods every day of the week. Mm. Even I can't, and they're right here, you know. But it's a great question because I always think of well, several things came to mind when you asked that. Um, I often bring the outside in. So first of all, I spend a lot of time in nature, as much time as I can on the earth, you know, in the hills, on the trails, and everybody has nature somewhere. Even if it's a backyard, a park, a strip between the sidewalk and the street, 
And um, so I think of also then of bringing the outside in, mm. a stone, a flower, a twig, a, a piece of wood that has a unique shape and that just sort of calls out to me in some way. And um, so here's a practical, a practical thing to do at home is create an altar. Create an altar with what I, what I call sacred objects, things that are meaningful to you, whether it's a, a rock or a crystal, a feather, um, a ring, something sentimental, a piece of wood, something your child gave you. You know, this might sound kind of strange, but I have all my kids' baby teeth. And I have the remnants of their umbilical cord because they were all born at home. Mm-hmm. And I keep wow. them in a, little, in a little bundle. And it's part of my altar. So things that are meaningful like that. Now, you don't have to be that crazy, but you know everybody's got something. So you bring the altar in, whether and you could have pictures or statues or anything that, that speaks to you religiously in, this, in a spirited way, remembering that the altar is not a thing. It's a relationship within, within. And so the physical altar is just an outward expression. That's how I think of it. Even my fire, when you look at, when you see my fire pit and the circles I've created, it's just an internal, it's just an outward expression of what lives inside of me. And that's what it looks like. And I know that it's not in the things because everything's a symbol. My words are a symbol. Um, A chair is a symbol of something that underlies it energetically and intelligence. So just to say that, to recognize that the, the accoutrements of a ceremony or of an altar or the elements of a, of an, of an altar, it's not in the things. It's inside of us. That's an important takeaway. Yeah. And then we can, we can create sacred space for ourselves by our intention. You don't need the priest or the holy man or the shaman to come in and do it for you. You can do it yourself. And that's the power of blessing. Mm. You know, it's something that we can do. We can bless ourselves. We can bless our families, our homes, and take that, you know, take that practice back, you know, reclaim the sacred Mm. for ourselves in that way. And I'm so pleased you've mentioned that word sacred because in many ways, the sacred is something of an inquiry for me at the moment. And here's what I'm noticing, Tom. I, I didn't use that. It wasn't, that word was not in my vernacular a year ago. And since starting Sacred Changemakers, I've realized that it is about reclaiming the sacred for myself. And when I think of my life or the things that I do or, you know, in my life, and I think of holding a sacred space for something, even if it's only cooking a meal or washing, doing the dishes or, you know, sitting down and being with a coaching client is an easy one for me because I think I've always held sacred space there. But there's lots of places in my life and I've never thought of my life as sacred and I was kind of shocked to realize I I hadn't and now when I consider my life when I consider even my work as sacred everything changes mm-hmm. with that little word there yeah because it reminds me to honor exactly where I am 
in that moment. Yes. Very similar to what you just said. For me, words like sacred and holy and yeah. even peace and surrender, mm. forgiveness. Those words, I mean, I know those words. We all know those words. Mm. But to have them be a, an active part of my life was a yeah. different story. And so this notion of reclaiming the sacred, that's what I call my work, to reclaim the sacred. And part of it is reclaiming the language, mm. like the word sacred. Often those, these words get relegated to the world of religion, you know, the priest, the minister, the rabbi, like that. And so to take them back. So when I do a ceremony in, in the woods and I, I do what I call lay down the circle, I use cornmeal, salt, and tobacco, blend it, you just mix together. It's just my own thing that I do. And I, and I sprinkle it around the circle at the same time I'm saying the words, peace and understanding, love, joy, wisdom, guidance, clarity, ease and grace, strength and light. And I do that all the way around the circle with all the words that come to me that have an energy of what's sacred, of what's heartfelt and spirited. And so it's like creating a sacred, like a, like a, you know, a sacred spot in the land. You know, we talk about sacred places on the earth and um, we have many of them here in Southwest Colorado. And I went to one and it was really cold and really windy when I got back. But my voice said to me was, that was beautiful that you did that, but you didn't have to go all that way to find sacred ground because it's right where you stand because of who you are. And because of those who having gone before you have blessed it with their innocence and their peace. And that's true for all of us, but we've forgotten who we are like that. So I'm really interested in how you respond to this question, because it's something I'm really curious about, which is can anything and anyone be sacred? Absolutely. Yes. Now here's something too that that's come to me at the fire that everything in everything in my world, so everything in your world has all the meaning that you give it. Mm. So give it all the meaning that you can. That was straight from the fire. Like that wasn't me. Right. That everything in my world has all the meaning I give it. So give it all the meaning that you can. Make it meaningful, you know? And then to each of us. Each of us is a sacred being. And somehow we've forgotten in this world, you know, with self-image problems and self-doubt and bodily, you know, bodily awareness and success and failure and all the things that, that are ego-driven, that have driven a wedge between who we really are and then this other persona that fits in the world somewhere. Either, either well or not so well. And to just simply remember who we are and why we came and who sent us 
awakening to our highest good and to the truth that lives inside of us. That's like a lifetime of work right there, you know, mm-hmm. one that you want to be sober for. You want to be clear. Yeah. You want to be connected. You want to have cultivated a relationship with your creator so that you have the guidance and the awareness and the wherewithal to even walk that path. Cause it's not an easy path. You know, it's like, my gosh, isn't there an easier way? It's like from the matrix, you know, the blue pill or the red pill. Yeah. You know, just forget, forget. <sighs> That's not the path we've chosen. Not you or I or anybody who's listening to this conversation. Right. So in, in, in the language we talk about sacred change makers now, you're, you're beginning to reference something that I think of as our sacred calling in life. Mm-hmm. Something's called, and not just a singular, but there are lots of callings, things yeah. that are calling to us. And I'd love to hear, you know, what's your sense of what's calling to you at the moment? Mm. This is the deepest work is to listen for that, for what's being called, what I'm being called to and what's being called through me. So I'm saying, I'm talking about me, but I say this for anyone who's listening. It's like, what is, what are you being called to and what's being called through you? And how can you know? And the only way to really know is to listen deeply for the voice. This is how I say it for the voice that speaks your name. And you know that, that you'd know the sound of that voice the way you know the sound of your mother's voice in a room full of mothers. You know that voice is calling you and that's the one you respond to. And it, I think it takes some work to get, to allow ourselves to be led out of the illusion of the world, such that it is, into a place of deep and abiding truth. A place where we, we have a sense, a real sense of what, what truth is and what's real, you know, what's a real thing, you know, like that. So, so I'll tell you what my calling is, is to awaken and to help humanity to awaken. And there's humanity right here, you know, right where I live all around me, but it begins with me. And I know, I know you know what I'm saying. It begins with each of us. And I'm glad you said that because um, you're speaking my language. I talk about, for, for, for my calling, I, I believe it's very similar to yours. It's to wake, awaken, to awaken people. And, uh, and, and I talk about helping and awakening humanity. And I've had said many, many times to me, yeah, but that's just like, a, that's for world leaders. That's for global leaders <laughs> to do it at that scale. I'm like, well, you have in your pocket today an instrument that enables you to do that too. And humanity's right here. Mm-hmm. Like it's you and the person you're talking to in the supermarket. And we forget that, don't we? Yes. Yeah. I often will make a distinction. There's the world, and we all have a shared awareness of the world, but then there's my world and there's your world. Yeah. We live in different worlds for the most part. 
you know, yeah. we have a, we have a relationship. And so we have, we're connected in that way, but you know, each of us has a world populated with people that are part of our world, you know, just like that. And the notion that it's for world leaders to awaken humanity, that might be true on one level, but then going back to listening for what is yours to listen for, that's yours and my part in the awakening, which is part of a great awakening. And there's many of us working in small ways and in large ways that are part of the awakening of humanity, especially in the face of what we're faced with today. Yeah. And it's all we can do to keep waking up and shaking the shoulder of the person next to us and letting them hear something that it, is letting people see you seeing them. Oh, yeah. So my guides told me in, in, at the fire, they said, sit knee to knee with people and let them see my love in your eyes. Hmm. And I was like, whoa. So I understood that to be, to mean, let people see you seeing them with love and acceptance, the way God would see them. Even for a split second, you know, I'll look someone in the, in the left mm -hmm. eye, my eye to their left eye, and I let them catch me seeing them for like just a fraction of a second. And I know and they know that we saw each other. Mm. And something miraculous happens in that exchange. Which is not to say I stare at people. That's too weird, you know. <laughs> you, you know, an older guy looking at a, looking at a, a younger woman to let yeah. her know I'd see you. You know, but I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a threat. I'm a safe person. You know? Yeah. And you took me right back to a sacred retreat I was on in my early 20s. And I had a challenging childhood um, and uh, came out of it very underconfident and shy and low self-esteem and uh, was on this uh, retreat. And uh, there was some Vipassana meditation, which is just sitting in silence in, in the room. And, and then there was this exercise where the, the teacher just got us sitting in front of each other, not particularly close. And then instead of going into our own interior, it was to connect through our eyes with another person and just sit there in connection. And it was for about an hour. I think I'd been in connection with this person and I found it so viscerally uncomfortable at that time in my life. And then the emotions came and I was just sat looking in and it was a stranger. I didn't know them. And they were looking at me with such love and generosity and openness that I had never known at that point that I just started sobbing loudly in a silent room <laughs> and it was just this whole like I don't know I think everything had been bottled up inside of me and it was like permission to just reconnect at a level I don't think I ever had yes and it, and I know now because this is something now I'm become very comfortable with I know how uncomfortable it is for so many of us to just be seen. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. in that way. Yes. That's amazing. I love what you're saying. And it's great <laughs> to have that experience even once in your life at an early yeah. age. Yeah. How it can just change everything. Yeah. You know, I, I've had a similar experience. And where that has led me to this place in my life today is where I can really look at people. And I'll even say, look at me. Hmm. And they will. And it's like, that's it. Just look at me. I see you. That's what I'll say. I see you. That is lovely. And that reminds me of the South African saying Ubuntu. You know, the, 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 and I'm going to absolutely demolish it now. And I apologize to anybody who understands the real meaning. But one of the first times I ever did a keynote talk, um, the, a woman came from the back of the room and she was in full African, African ceremonial dress. She was beautifully dressed and she came up and she just gave me a card and it just said on it Ubuntu. And she said, um, the, the soul in me sees the light and soul in you. Oh. And it was just gorgeous because I believe that's what a lot of us want is we we just want to be seen and heard at a very primal level. And yet it fills us with such fear yeah. because, you know, are we enough? This is, this is the mantra I hear from so many of my clients from, you know, outwardly successful millionaires, even, you know, where you'd look at them and go, gosh, they've got it all sorted mm -hmm. within a very short time. And I'm sure you see this around the fire too. Mm -hmm. They can, start to reconnect and and start to give voice to their truth which for some of them they may never have given voice to before yeah. and yeah. that's profound isn't it it is very i believe more now than i ever have that people are hungry for that yeah for that authentic experience the expression truth being seen that was such a paradox yeah i want to be seen but i don't want to be seen i want to be seen but i don't want to be seen <laughs> you know it's like oh my gosh you know yeah to be seen and here's the thing too is when you allow yourself to be seen then you can see others hmm. and when you see others you're allowing yourself to be seen but it's the same with spirit if you'll think about it for a moment when we can really see and acknowledge, not, not with, the, with the seeing eye, but with our inner vision, see and acknowledge spirit and honor it, and it knows that it's being honored by you, that's as, I, I believe that spirit loves that as much as we love when we are seen and embraced and, and held and honored. And it's reciprocal in a universal way. Yes. And for me, that's the energetic exchange that I, I believe is natural mm -hmm. and we need, and yet we interrupt that flow in modern life. Mm -hmm. So I love how you're speaking to the reciprocal nature of this. Yeah. Because that's key to me. And that to me is what creates a word I use quite a bit, which is resonance. Mm. It's that energetic balance, that flow, that infinity sign. Yeah. 
a matching vibrational frequency. Yeah, exactly. I want to share something with you. When yeah. I do ceremony at the fire and I'm out late, you know, it's, I'm watching the moon arc across the sky and I've made this beautiful fire and it's been going for hours and I've just, I've said prayers and I've um, done some deep journaling and I'm in this place of deep, deep gratitude. And I know that the way I honor the earth and honor spirit as it is expressed through me, that that, that recognition is so appreciated that, I'm in a, that in a ceremonial way I'm doing this and then it's reflected back to me in my world. Mm. And it's just, it's just a, like I said before, reciprocal, that it recognizes that we honor it. Yeah. However, whatever, by whatever means, like I use tobacco and sweet grass and sage is, is one way, but it's whatever, whatever means or way is natural for you and feels appropriate to make an offering to, to acknowledge and embrace the ineffable. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm just letting that kind of settle in my field because there's something very alive for me in that energy of gratitude that you're speaking to. And it's probably very personal because that's an energy that I'm kind of reclaiming for myself and, and making some intentions to be more grateful. Mm -hmm. And I believe I lived a lot of my life almost empty of gratitude, which is fascinating to me now, you know, cause it's, it's very different now, but I notice it now in my clients as well. And in, in my colleagues and friends, I, I notice the absence of that. Yeah. And in this transactional world we live in, you know, I'm not blaming anyone for that because I actually believe it's really easy to get into that space. But I feel in these times we're living through now, I, I, I do feel these times as almost, I started off when um, earlier this year in March when the pandemic started to kind of redefine our lives. I started to think that, you know, these were life-defining moments like how we respond to this is life defining and now it feels more than that it feels soul defining wow yeah it's a great distinction yeah how does it feel to you because there's also this idea of i'm going to come back full circle to the fire here it's almost like i can feel the fire between us in this conversation mm -hmm. i'm feeling very warm you, you need to know, Tom, I'm usually freezing. <laughs> That's a good sign, Jane. You're, you're warming up over there. I'm warming up, yes. Oh, my gosh. You know, the, the, the more challenging things are out in the world, and I, and I don't watch the news, but I do get reports, you know. Yeah. Um, I've probably spent more time out on the land, more time in ceremony, 
more time bringing groups to the fire or individuals to the fire, um, listening for the call, you know, for people who are calling out. And um, it's the most grounding and healing thing I, I could do to keep myself sane and the people around me to the best of my ability to offer them this place of sanity, you know, because what's needed in the world today is people who are sane, who are grounded, who are connected. And that's, that's incumbent upon each of us. You know, we have that responsibility to stay connected no matter what's happening in our personal lives or in the world out there. That's, that's the gift that we have to give. And that makes a difference. I believe my fires make a difference. All that my fire is connected to sacred fires all around the world. Mm. That's my thought, my intention. That my fire connects to sacred fires everywhere. Mm. And as you say that, I, I, I believe that's true. And I also believe not just in the physical connection to fires or the energetic connection to physical fires should i say but also i feel you connecting to the fire within me and inviting me in i feel that as you speak yeah that's very yeah. good yeah because that's my intention even as we come together in sort of this kind of conventional format you know mm -hmm. it's to connect at a much deeper level and you and you make it so easy I mean, you're like so available for that, you know, because that's, that's your intention. Yeah. Is to connect. Yeah. And I, I, I hope this conversation makes a difference for people who are listening to find their own way of connecting and bringing more of their light into their lives and out into the world without inhibition, without fear you know, like that. And, yeah. and we, we empower each other to do that. Cause you know, I don't have it. I don't have it down pat by any means. I still, I still have my struggles. Yeah. You know, I started to tell you earlier before we recorded the call, I, I knelt beside the fire and I asked what gets in my way. And then I opened my journal and they proceeded to tell me, mm. they said the only thing, that gets in your way is your self-doubt. That you don't believe enough in yourself to tell the truth as you know it. And they said, and you've come a long way and you've made great improvement, you know, but there's still more to go. Mm. And I, I know that's true for so many of us on the planet to transcend our self-doubt so that we can be true, be true to our spirit, be true to our calling, be true that's a, what, to what's awakening within us that's coming forward now, it's being called forward now. That feels so right as you say it, it's being called forward now. Being called through us. Right. Through us. Through us. When my friend, when my friend Jim passed away, it's been 10 years now, 11 years, I, I had this, uh, this awareness that 
this is how we served each other. And this is how we serve each other. So it's not just my personal experience. I think it's universal how we can serve one another that we, we found each other in this life so that at the appointed time, we could help each other to awaken. And that time is now. It was true for you and I, Jane. Yeah. You know, we found each other in this life so that the appointed time we could help each other to awaken and share that awakening to the best of our ability. Yeah. That feels true. It really does. And so beautifully said, Tom. I'm noticing the time and I just want to ask you one final question. And it's just simply this. Um, if there's something you would want to share with our listeners, something that we might not have got to in our conversation today, what might it be? Take the time to cultivate your relationship with God, great spirit, creator, whatever you call that power, strengthen your connection with everything you've got. And that prayer is, is a means of communication between the created with their creator. So we wanna be in communication. And I think that's how we can help each other. We connect that. in that way. So simple and yet so profound. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love <And> it. <laughs> Thank you so it much, everything. Tom. It really does. <laughs> it really does. Thank you so much, Tom. My gosh, it has been my pleasure to talk to you. I could continue talking to you all day. I seriously could, but um, I'm yeah. noticing the time. So I just want to thank you on behalf of our community. Thank you for sharing everything you have. I know people will have just got so many insights from our conversation. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for having me on. Okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And our growing community of changemakers are actually our sponsors who help us to keep doing our work in the world. We're a network of people committed to making the world a better place. We support each other to grow personally and professionally. And together, we're making a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. So if you're interested, I invite you to take a look. It's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you. Together, we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intentions and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.